do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Mobility Charging Services Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. And in today's episode, what's next for clean tech in Europe? A new European Commission is about to be seated. Policy direction and funding from Brussels are significant drivers of the growth of electric mobility throughout Europe. So, what does the new Commission have in store? Can we really expect funding for 1 million new charging stations? We head to Brussels to find out. But before we do, I know we've been pretty quiet on the podcast front lately. I mean, much more so than we ever actually intended. So welcome back, listeners. Well, the reason why is because we've been so busy at work at Greenway. We're working really hard to grow into a full services CPO EMP, so charging point operator and electric mobility provider, and to really deliver changes that will bring the Central and Eastern European eco-mobility ecosystem to the next level. Before we head to Brussels, we're going to walk down to the hall of the Greenway offices here in Bratislava, talk to my boss, Peter Bodic, about what we've been working on lately. Hi, Peter. Hi. <laughs> Good to find you here. Hi. How you doing? Good. Busy, but good. Yeah, well, busy is good. Busy is good, yeah. usually. So, I've just been telling our listeners that, you know, we've been off the air for a while. We haven't produced a new podcast lately. But the reason why is because we've been so darn busy here at work. And uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, this was a very tough autumn, I would say. Uh, we were f- trying to finish the work uh, in a network development. So we built almost 80 chargers on both Slovakia and Poland. Uh, we built some ultra-fast chargers, which is a kind of new technology in our network. They are now waiting for an inspection from the official office in Poland. So we are building one in Slovakia as well. We put the into operation the battery storage systems in Poland. So uh, it was a hell of a lot of work. And uh, actually a lot of work was as well done internally, which uh, cannot be seen from outside by our customers. But uh, we do a lot of reshuffling and reorganization internally in terms of the processes because we are preparing for a major boom of the electromobility, which we believe is coming really in 2020, 2021. So we need to be ready. You can see it with the number of vehicles and the models of vehicles that look set to arrive. I mean, it does seem like we're sort of transitioning from this era of, let's say, less mature e-mobility ecosystem to much more mature and it looks like Greenway is evolving with that. Yeah, I would even say that we uh, are approaching to what I call the Electromobility 2.0 because really it's quite fundamentally changed the uh, perspective uh, we are doing our business, especially in this region. Uh, several uh, supporting programs for the electric vehicles, new models arriving, we will jump from 16 to 42 models available on our market. That's an incredible number. That is, that is, and uh, so a lot of changes, but I think it will be good to have a special episode about the uh, future expectation for 2020, maybe in uh, early next year. What, that, what do you think? Hey, I think that's a good idea, Peter. That's good. We'll get you back into the studio. We'll talk about what we're looking forward to in 2020. You briefly mentioned a lot of topics, and it has been a lot of work. I mean, from a pure business development, business growth perspective, you have this eagle's eye view of really all of it, all the different integrations, the bugs, the things that went well and easy. I mean, ability to take a step back and, and look at everything that's happened and take it all in. Yeah, what my takeaway from this year is definitely that the business of the charging infrastructure is much more complex than I ever told before, to be honest. 
Uh, it has many things. You need to coordinate many players, uh, owners of the charging infrastructure on one side and the different expectation of drivers or fleet managers on the other side. Then you need to uh, somehow align the timing of the development of infrastructure and uh, as well. You need to align your growth with the competition and uh, very important uh, IT system and internal processes because if we want to handle really uh, dozens of installation every month and the number of customers growing significantly then we need a completely different structure of the company and structure of the processes which we are doing. So this takes a lot of time. On the other side, I would have to say that it's very exciting and being an entrepreneur in this business, it's very, very interesting. It is, it is. I mean, these bags under our eyes and these extra gray hairs that we have now, I mean, I think they are a testament to it's been a lot of work, but it is exciting and it's really uh, hopeful to see what's coming. So, Peter, man, it's been great, you know, working with everyone on the team here and we'll leave that for now. And like you said, we'll dive into these topics in greater detail in future episodes and we're going we're gonna to pivot over to Brussels with the rest of our episode. Did you record it? Yeah, we record So that was the news in the office segment, as we tend to call it around here. And now back to the studio and back to our main topic and the big picture of the electric mobility revolution in the European Union. So we're going to turn our focus from Bratislava to Brussels, where change is also in the air, in this case in the form of a new European Commission. And just a little background for those people who might not be as familiar with the uh, machinations of Brussels, but every European Commission lasts for five years. After that, there is new elections and possibly a new president and new commissioners. These commissioners are the people put forward by their home country and then confirmed by the European Parliament to work for the commission president serve as the so-called College of Commissioners. There was a bit of drama this time getting to this point, but three commissioners were rejected by the parliament, so not confirmed for various different reasons. And as a result, the start of the commission was delayed by one month until December 1st. Now, this definitely has other impacts like on the budget and things like that, which we'll talk about later. But for now, they're about to get started next week. So now, finally, there is a new European Commission president, the German Ursula von der Leyen, and it's actually worth pointing out that she's the first ever female European Commission president, so that's a nice milestone. And a new group, or so-called College of Commissioners, which is these commissioners I mentioned before, were all set to begin work on December 1st. As we've said on this show before, steps and measures taken by Brussels are significant drivers of the e-mobility ecosystem here in both the Central Eastern European region and Europe as a whole. In the office now, we're gonna go find Julia. So I wanted to find out more about this change and how much it can and will influence the e-mobility revolution. Hi, nice Julia, to see you. great to see you, great to see you. I caught up with Julia Poliskanova, our plugged-in purveyor of all things e-mobility in the Brussels bubble, to better understand what we can expect from the new commission when it starts working right, next week. So we record a podcast? Absolutely. So now, to Brussels. I walked past at least one electric vehicle charging station on my way to your office. Zen car, does that sound right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We have quite a few. Well, you know, we will finally see all of that happening next year. Uh -huh. uh, more and more cars are coming. The EU CO2 standard, the famous 95 grams per kilometer, is finally kicking in next year. Means uh, loads and loads of affordable, well-performing vehicles on European roads. As the car industry will have to sell those vehicles to meet the targets. Mm -hmm. Finally, so all good news for consumers, and and the regulations also finally begin 
starting to, to have effect. Yeah, I mean, it seems really clear that those standards are really beginning to make an impact and that the automakers are start well, some of them, we should say, are starting to orient their behavior and their investment towards really producing electric vehicles uh, at scale and for the mass market, which I think we absolutely need. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, we will see a tripling of the amount of models available on the market next year. From so about 10 to about 30, I think, right? Uh, it's 200 models, models, 200 models available next year. Absolutely. So when Pure I say, electric? No, no. So mm. I, indeed, it's, mm, it's uh, okay, plug-in okay. hybrids and battery electric. But still, it's, you, we will see a lot of uh, well-performing cars, affordable cars, finally, from big, big industry players such as Volkswagen, Peugeot, Citroën, Fiat, and, and others. So really European names coming mm -hmm. to the Ford in Europe, finally. So... It's a period of flux in Brussels, I think longer than people had expected, longer than anyone had expected. So can you let us know what's going on? And then really the main question for today is what can we expect from the new commission and from the new president in regards to electric vehicle charging infrastructure and generally the push towards electrification? So there have been a few hiccups on the way. Finally, we have all the names. We just need the parliament now to vote and rubber stamp the group of commissioners, uh, which should happen at the end of November. After that, the policy work will actually begin. Mm -hmm. um, the key names, uh, the key people for, for our work certainly is the, the climate vice president, so Mr. Timmermans, transport commissioner, likely to be Adina Valian, um, but also a few others, notably commissioners working on finance and money. Of course. I mean, it's, it's all about it's all money. about money, especially uh, funding investments. Absolutely. That will be uh, a Latvian commissioner, Valdis Dombrovskis. So he will be in charge of that, working closely with Timmermans on a lot of these things. And of course, the industry commissioner, uh, which is very likely to be a new French man recently mm -hmm. proposed, who will be also in charge of a lot of various rules and regulations that are relevant to the car mm -hmm. industry, including batteries, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about then how all these things fit together because all right i mean that touches on a lot of different areas so first you have franz timmermans and he is going to be in responsible for this so-called european green deal is yes, that correct? absolutely. So in terms of uh, the priorities in the coming months, the biggest flagship out there is to put a big strategy for funding, governance and policies on what is now called European Green Deal. So to put Europe back on track to deal with the climate crisis. Why do you say back? Well, I think we've been off track for a very long time. I'm not sure if we've ever been on track. So it's an excellent point there. And you're at the there. same time in many areas, your fleets. <laughs> no, I think in, especially if we look at transport, for example, we yeah. actually have overall EU climate causing emissions decreasing. And transport is one of the few sectors where emissions continue to grow. So there's a lot, a lot that the new commission needs to do uh, to make sure that every sector and all parts of our economy go down to zero emission in the coming years. It's sort of ironic or it's contradictory that there's so much, in, at least from the decision-making level, there's so much awareness of it. But yet at the same time, the trends are moving in the wrong direction. That's, yes, I think that they're trying to move in the right direction, yeah. but uh, the... the so here lobby. we go, a new opportunity to do so. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yes, so one of the first things that Mr. Timmermans will do in office when he is vice president for overall climate action in, here in Europe is present an overarching strategy on the European Green Deal on how each sector and each part of the economy can go down to zero emission um, by mid-century. There's a number of really, really big and interesting flagships, as they're called, under this policy. I think the most uh, really relevant to mention here is the so-called Recharge EU 
program. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's incredibly important to get this right. Sorry, just to clarify, this is the program to install 1 million charging stations throughout European roads by 2025? Indeed, in the next 10 years. Um, we don't know I much... Yeah. Five years, but it's 10? So it's 5, five ten, 10 years. No, yes. It's a five-year commission term, so <laughs> exactly. hopefully they hope so to achieve it in five. Exactly, we hope okay. so, and we need them in five yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. No, indeed, it's a program, an ambitious program, but we don't know much detail yet. Mm -hmm. We know it's there, we know that's what they want to do, but that's pretty much it. So I think it's just really important to make sure that what they do is what the market and consumers need. So there's a lot of talk of technology neutrality and going for all fuels and all technologies. I mean, I think it's good to be technology neutral, but we shouldn't be technology blind. Mm -hmm. We look at the market, 95% of all cars that car makers plan to produce in Europe, in terms of cleaner mm -hmm, vehicles, mm -hmm. are all electric, either plug-in, hybrid or battery or so forth. Very few are planned to be natural gas or even mm -hmm, hydrogen. hydrogen right? So it's a really wasted opportunity if we just decide to give support to all the different infrastructure right. I mean, so much work has already been done from the European level to develop the electrical technologies and electrification that it would really be silly to start exactly. reinvesting in some totally different direction now when it's matured so much. Absolutely. And in the world of limited resources and very finite amount of time, we have to focus. Mm -hmm. So we really hope that that particular flagship, Recharge EU, will really be doing what its name suggests. So really rolling out charging infrastructure across Europe should be a really big program of public and private investments to unlock potential in buildings, commercial sector all across motorways and in charging hubs in cities so that we have the right type of infrastructure for tomorrow's cars. Are they yet talking about a level of detail, like a balance between the fast charging, ultra-fast charging, slower charging, AC charging, things like that? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's... The detail will be worked out later. So that's one flagship. Incredibly important to get it right. The second one is around green industrial strategy, and that's where we talk about batteries. Mm -hmm. and Which I was think a huge priority for Commissioner Shevchevich and the Energy Union and obviously there's a lot of work going on in Europe around that right now. And it will continue being a priority and the European Battery Alliance mm -hmm. indeed set up by Shevchevich will continue going on. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be a bit honest here. I think we won't have an immobility industry or even transition in Europe without European battery industry. Mm -hmm. We need European battery mm -hmm. industry here, but they also need to be doing it in a way and producing batteries in a way that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. Green should not be this kind of add-on. It should be, in a way, licensed to operate in, in mm -hmm. Europe. I mean, the um, essence of what they are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So at least three things will be happening in this space. There'll be regulations on environmental production or clean production of batteries using renewables, uh, regulations around really recycling at the end of life, so mm -hmm. we really capture the materials, such mm -hmm. as cobalt and nickel and mm -hmm. lithium. Mm -hmm. And finally, tools also how to ensure globally ethical sourcing right. of those materials. Right. right, critically important. You know, I guess there's also the part about reusing batteries after their automotive life is over, using them as a storage. Absolutely, which makes great economic sense and is also good from an environmental point mm -hmm. of view as you mm -hmm. use them for longer, and that's also on the table. Last big thing, which... Uh, I think we as Transport Environment think should be as, as a kind of overarching principle when it comes to transport in the European Green Deal is just setting really an overall direction of travel and agreeing a date for the exit mm. from conventional cars, diesels, petrols, natural gas mm -hmm, and, and so mm -hmm. forth. And uh, we would say that the last combustion engine should be sold in 
2035, no later than that, giving that signal to the industry, to consumers, to everyone else, allows everyone to work to common goal, plan, prepare workforce, for example, which is incredibly important, mm -hmm. um, put in place the transitional procedures, transitional support, just transition is a big mot du jour mm -hmm. in Brussels. Mm -hmm. But without knowing that date, it's hard to know sure, what's sure. the ambition. When to what to prepare for. You were recently involved in a press event with your electric and also the automobile association here in uh, in brussels right and i must say it really struck me that there was transport and environment and the automobile association industry group together talking about the need to you know say electrify and provide charging infrastructure opportunities and i think your electric called the right to charge are they on board with date like that or, or how much how much uniformity or disagreement is there within the automobile industry on topics like this um i think they are on <laughs> she board. smiles for those who can't see <laughs> I think they are on board because they have to be, mm -hmm. because of European regulations, because of China, because of Dieselgate and that there's no future anymore for diesel. Car industry simply does not have any other option anymore but to go electric. That's the future motor of mm -hmm. the future. So they need those cars, they need them fast, and that's why they are on board. And that's why in this case we have a common objective. Whether or not they are all on board with the same amount of ambition and speed? Absolutely not. We absolutely have the leaders and those that are really investing. And I think some of the things we, we see and hear from manufacturers such as Volkswagen or Volvo or Renault are really impressive. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. there's still lots of laggards, yeah. uh, loads of those, and we all know who right. they are. And they still continue to try at every opportunity to weaken their ambition, delay, and only do the minimum they need for compliance. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's why those policy levers are so important and why we see so much change coming as a, uh, we think a direct result of the CO2 standards. The CO2 standards uh, is really the thing that's driving the market at the moment. It's impossible to underestimate the importance. Next year, manufacturers have to slash their emissions by almost 20-30% just by bringing a new generation mm -hmm. of vehicles from where they are today. And this is why we see those hundreds of models available. So there's a direct link. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't listen to anyone who tells you that they were planning this for years because <laughs> I am in this space and they haven't <laughs> been actually. They've been enjoying selling SUV, diesels and petrols, no. those large cars, but now they have to sell electric cars and that's good news. Well, and we'll really see, you know, the truth of this on the ground, both in terms of how long does it take you from the moment you order a an electric vehicle till the moment you can receive it. I mean, right now it can take you months and that's a huge disincentive for many people. If you go to the dealership and you talk to the dealer about wanting to buy an electric vehicle from their OEM, are they supportive of it? Can they speak knowledgeably about it? Will they encourage it or will they try to dissuade you and get you to buy the combustion engine vehicle? I mean, these are the sorts of triggers or the sorts of, um, let's say, signals that are really indicative of, of where the company is going. And I think we'll see a big change in, in that wish and ability mm -hmm, to sell electric mm -hmm. cars next and year. And trickle down, yeah. Interestingly, we recently did a report where we analyzed data of production of electric cars, where it is and, you know, where it's mm -hmm. going. And what is amazing is to see that actually Actually, all of the European manufacturers are planning significant amounts of electric vehicles being produced in Europe, very close to what they need to hit the targets. So they know they're preparing, they will comply if regulations enforced properly. And actually, the current leaders in production of vehicles, be diesel or petrol, will also continue being leaders in producing electric vehicles. Fun fact, per capita, 
the largest producer of EVs will be Slovakia. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's an incredible story to yes, tell. Yes, it's the most interesting story, right? You have a country, Slovakia, where I'm based, which is completely over-reliant on you know, automotive exports for the bulk of its economy. And it was a huge question mark, what's going to happen to Slovakia in transition to electrification? And still, your report indicates that it's still going to be maintaining its per capita export of now electric vehicles as well. Leadership. Absolutely. So jobs will be there in the new industry. The production of these electric vehicles will replace the production of diesels. And if we manage to get there on track, be there on time, secure battery industry in Europe, then Europe still will lead. We don't need diesel cars to lead in the automotive race. No, for sure not. And frankly, if this is the direction that we need to go in, then leading in the electrification is going to be critical to staying staying alive and staying in a leadership role and staying profitable. Can we talk a little bit about putting money behind some of these initiatives or is it too early to talk about that yet? I think it is certain that there will be money behind. I think when we talk about green batteries in particular, there's millions and millions and millions of money going into research and improvement that Commission will put on the table. But more importantly, I think what the Commission wants to do and timely conversation to have is about the way we control state aid in Europe. Mm -hmm. So how do we support those national champions or European champions to scale up while still being in line with European competition rules? Mm. Because if we want to compete with China and America, maybe our rules are a bit too strict and outdated. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is time to really allow companies some support, knowing that, you know, it will get us somewhere. Things like cell manufacturing in batteries mm -hmm. is so capital intensive. Mm -hmm. As a startup, you know, somewhere in a okay. cool area of London, just can't do it in competition rules that we have today. So that's one. Mm. There will definitely be some money, public money also for infrastructure, for sure, to fill some of the gaps. Like um, charging infrastructure, you mean? Exactly, mm. charging infrastructure to fill some of the gaps, such as cabling of buildings, to mm. be, make buildings EV capable. So any driver who, a consumer who gets an EV car just pays for the final charger. Just for the charging yeah, unit. As mm -hmm. opposed to cabling the building for the, all of the neighbors and the whole neighborhood, which today is the case in some mm -hmm. places. If it's even allowed. And, <laughs> if the, build it's even and the building allowed. association might not want it. Even if it's legally allowed, the association might not want mm -hmm. it. And the new European Buildings Directive, will it require buildings to be EV capable? There are some minimum requirements, but unfortunately it is just really not in line with the rollout of electric vehicles and the, the market mm -hmm. that is coming. And there's millions, millions, billions of European money now given to member states in what is called as regional funds mm -hmm. to support the development. So a lot of that money, I hope, will be channeled also to help things such as rolling out electric charging infrastructure mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. member states, especially in less developed member states, such as Eastern Europe or, mm -hmm. or Southern Europe or, or parts of those countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What should we be looking for in, say, 100 days, a number commonly thrown about, when they said they're going to have a Green Deal proposal within 100 days? What should we be looking for? How can we evaluate the direction that this is actually going in from now till then? So what we will see most likely will be a strategy. So it won't yet be legislative measures. It will be a strategy, this direction of travel, what we will do, and some money. There will be some commitments to money. 
But this is actually very important, and this is how European politics works. Today, now, we have a few months of this momentum for climate. You know, people marching on the streets. And, and Greta Thunberg traveling exactly. the world. Wonderful, wonderful leader. But who knows where we will be in a few months. Huh? We can have economic crisis, we can have trade wars, you name it. So that's, that's why it's so important to use this momentum now. Mm-hmm. Put that strategy as ambitious as possible. Mm-hmm. So it really commits to all sorts of things such as recharge EU and, and so forth and exit date for conventional cars. Because then we have that strategy to actually implement into legislation and on the ground in the coming years. And that's how it will work. We get the overall ambition mm-hmm. and commitment. And then we as TNE and many other stakeholders here in Brussels will, will run with it and make sure push, it becomes push, push. law. And companies like Greenway, though, that I work for, will be implementing it on the ground, installing infrastructure and operating it. And our peer companies all over Europe will be doing that work. And the OEMs produce the vehicles and make them affordable <laughs> yes. so people can buy them and lease them. And uh, fleet companies can you know deploy them. Then it's really all going to come together. We hope so. There's just no any other way. If we stay where we are today, you know, the planet will just burn. What is the expression? No sleep for the weary. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time. This was the first part of our short series on the future of the European Union's clean tech and e-mobility policies for the next commission. In our next show, we'll bring an exclusive with EU insider, European Commission Vice President Maros Šefčovic. He's from this region himself, from Slovakia actually, the same way we were based, and has been responsible for the energy union for the past five years. How has e-mobility progressed? Is there a gap between Western and Eastern parts of the European Union in this regard? And what are the challenges that we need to deal with today, now, in a very different landscape from five years ago? So make sure to tune into that episode next week to hear more from him. That's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. And if you have someone else who would like this episode or another one of our episodes discussing EV charging, power levels, energy storage, and much, much, much more, share it with them. Let them know about podcasts and this podcast specifically. This whole idea of podcasting is still so new to so many people, so we need to share it with them the same way we do about the joys of electric driving. We're everywhere to make it really easy to share. Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it. And if you like our show, it's most probably thanks to the excellent team of producers we have, Katarina Urban-Richterova and Oksana Ferencova, with support from Julia Bichakova. Last but not least, thanks to all you out there for listening. This is Aaron Fishbone wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. I'm going to be speaking today with Julia Poliskanova, Transport Environment's own Director of Clean Autos and Technology, whatever she'll tell you or tell later. We're not live.